A bubble gave birth to the stars. That's the easy way of saying what a team of astrophysicists have found. With details on this space bubble, we are joined this morning by Mike Foley, graduate student at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Good morning to you, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, Sue. Thanks for having me. I'm very uh, excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here, too. I know that I completely oversimplified that, but let's let's break it down and talk about this, the bubble and, and its role in shaping the stars that surround us. Give us a little breakdown of what you've figured out. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been studying the local bubble, which is a large, low-density cavity um, around our sun that we've known about since the 1970s. But now, for the first time, we're actually able to get the 3D structure of this bubble and start understanding where star formation is happening. And it turns out that all our local star formation is happening on the surface of this bubble. So, Mike, is this due to technology? You mentioned the 3D aspect. Was this not available previously? Like, How, how did things change in order for you to get a greater understanding? Exactly. Yeah. So we've been working with 2D data for quite some time. When you look up at the night sky, you can basically go up and down or left and right. But now for the first time, we're starting to get distances to things. Um, so particularly the Gaia satellite has been instrumental in this, giving us distances to about a billion stars. And so using these new distances, we're able to start looking at things in 3D and figuring out um, where things lie in our local solar neighborhood. So what exactly is this bubble? What is it made of? How did it form? So we think that what happened was around 14 million years ago, supernovae or stellar explosions started occurring roughly where our sun is right now. These explosions then pushed out interstellar gas, forming sort of a dense shell. Um, and then as supernovae continued going off, pushing the shell outwards, eventually you get enough gas on the shell of the bubble to start collapsing under its own gravity and forming new stars. So really, this is stellar death contributing to stellar birth. And then our sun just made its own way into the bubble just kind of by accident. And now we we got a front row seat to what's going on. So the young stars, they form on the surface of the bubble, not on the inside. Is this kind of like the, the surface of the bubble is the soil to a plant? Exactly, yes. Um, so inside the bubble, there's not much going on. There's not a lot of gas or dust or even stars. And so all the action is happening kind of on the surface of the bubble. You can think about it almost like our galaxy is a little bit like Swiss cheese. Um, and you have a bunch of these little holes that uh, are bubbles that have been swept up by supernovae. And then on the edge of the holes in the Swiss cheese is really where all the stars are forming. And we just so happen uh, to sit in right smack dab in the middle of one of these holes. Uh, so how big a deal is this for, for, for folks like you who, who've studied and who've been looking at this and to, to have something like this finally be discovered that's been kind of right in front of our faces for so long? What, what, what does this do for, for what you do for a living? Yeah, it's very exciting because, as you say, we've been sitting right in the center of this bubble for um, all of astronomy. And so uh, now to be able to place things in 3D context, particularly to look at all these nearby famous star-forming regions that people have been studying for decades, if not centuries, and to say, wow, they all sit on the surface of this bubble. We can start now constructing the story for how the stars are forming within those clouds. So we can trace back the evolution of this bubble and try and really understand um, what our sun's place is in the, in the Milky Way by looking at the star formation around us. Mike, as lay people who enjoy, you know, watching NASA launches and, uh, you know, hearing about the different telescopes, 
You know, you know, for us, uh, we're looking always looking for something fantastical, but we do know that space exploration can be very expensive. We do know, you know, even these telescopes. Is it through the latest technology like the 3D modeling uh, and other, you know, I guess models and virtual representations that we're going to learn more? Like, uh, I guess what I'm getting at is, are we going to see a lot more discoveries in the next handful of years? Absolutely. I really think we're kind of in a golden age of astronomy right now and with the launch of the james webb space telescope and a lot of new telescopes coming online we hope to be able to construct more of a 3d picture of our entire galaxy in the next couple decades so right now we can only do it within a couple hundred or or thousand light years around our sun we want to be able to do it for the entire tens of thousands of light years that our galaxy occupies mike curious about the bubble is it still growing and what happens if can it pop like a traditional bubble the way we think of That's a great question. Yeah, so it actually still does have some momentum. So it is moving outwards, thanks to all the supernovae that propelled it. Right now, it's only moving about six kilometers per second, which sounds really fast to us. But in in the galaxy, that's not all that fast. So we think what's going to happen is it's going to continue to slow down. Um, and then eventually it's just kind of kind of merge with its surroundings. And a new super bubble will likely take its place in the future. You know, it's interesting. That was my next question is, is this bubble an anomaly? But, you know, you're saying that we'll switch it up with a super bubble. I'm wondering, though, uh, deeper than that, Mike, when it comes to you in the world of astrophysics, how does one get into this field in the sense that when I start to think about the universe, I have to, you know, kind of find a quiet corner and shut that down right away because I can't wrap my head around not having every answer. So how did you get into something like this? That's a great question. I've always kind of been interested in space. Uh, I got interested in research as an undergrad. And so um, really in in this field, if you start working as an undergrad in in different research projects, uh, there's so much to do. So really we have more data than we have people right now. So if anyone's interested in working on stuff, um, we can send you some data. We'd love to have you. (laughs) Do I need to be good at math? (laughs) So um, if you have enthusiasm, you're, you're good. <laughs> That's good. Did you ever want to be an astronaut or is this, were you happy on the ground seeing what was happening in the sky and in outer space? So personally, I think being an astronaut's the coolest job. I've always been happy on the ground. Feet on the ground. Okay, this is the last question. Yeah. It's the most fantastical of all of them, Mike. And that is, is there, in your experience, do you think there's any chance that there is life intelligent life uh, off of the planet Earth? So that's a great question, and that's the big question right now. A lot of people are starting to focus on this. Personally, I do. Um, I think that it'll take a lot of work to be able to find it, but I'm hopeful sometime within the next couple decades we may obtain the signature of life on some other planets. Um, Whether it's intelligent life or not, I guess, remains to be seen, but I'm hopeful that sometime soon we'll get some signatures of it. Some would debate about the intelligence of the life on Earth. So I guess always up for debate. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Great conversation. Loved having you on. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike Foley, graduate student at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.